This is an MVP podcast, My Village Productions. Welcome to Unsolved America, a show where we explore unsolved mysteries throughout the United States. I'm your host, Tiffany. And I'm your host, Andy, and each week we will throw a dart at the map and wherever it lands is the location of our mystery. This week I landed on Nebraska. Nebraska. Home of the Cornhuskers, delicious corn, and fields as far as the eye can see. Yeah, really nothing. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Just kidding. There's like huge pockets of nothing and then like wonderful towns and cities. (laughs) Johnson Lake, it's super fun. You're like, yeah. I've only been ever... (laughs) To Lincoln, Nebraska. That's the only place I've ever been. Lincoln, Nebraska, you say? <laughs> oh. I'm that is where our mystery is held. Oh, my goodness. Yes. So the case I'm going to talk to, uh, <laughs> the case I'm going to talk about today is um, that of Patricia Webb. Okay. Um, Patricia Webb was born on July 2nd, 1949 in Burnwell, West Virginia. Burnwell. Um, I believe at the age of four, uh, she her mother passed away and her dad wasn't really in the picture. Uh So she was adopted by her paternal uncle, Robert Webb. Okay, and she was raised by Robert and his wife, Joan, from that point forward. Um, They she eventually made her way to Nebraska. I couldn't figure out when they moved to Nebraska. That's why I was like, they eventually just came here. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, when you read these like older reports or older stories, they're like sometime in February of 1978. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, So we're going to fast forward now to 1968 and Patricia graduated from Southeast High School. And... Later on that year, she actually ended up getting married. Okay. But the relationship didn't last that long, and she soon got divorced, like, shortly thereafter. Mm. Which, in the 60s, I feel like that's, like, <clears throat> got divorced. Yeah. I'm, like, it's definitely taboo. Especially, especially in, like, some of these, like, Lincoln's not that small, but, like, smaller communities like where they may be more religion based than others yeah um divorce is not common there you go that's the word i was gonna (laughs) say divorce is frowned upon is Mm -hmm. what i'm trying it was what i was trying to say but i said the wrong word so unfortunately her marriage did not last very long they soon got divorced she would then register for college courses twice um but she dropped out both times so Mm. didn't really go back to school uh after high school um uh, just kind of seemingly it seemed like she kind of was just kind of bouncing around trying to figure out life common common that's very common age. yeah so we're gonna jump ahead a couple more years so in 1972 mm-hmm. there was a bit of a shock that came to town dun 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 because in the year of 1972 the opening of an adult book in cinema occurred Ooh. in lincoln nebraska spicy yes prior to this adults could catch what they called a skin flick (laughs) at the embassy theater uh but the idea of being able to buy pornography and take it home was like a brand new concept and like they were like shut it down we don't want anything to do with this this is satan right especially somewhere like 
Lincoln, Nebraska. Absolutely. <laughs> so before the store opened, the police actually seized a truck full of pornography that was supposed to go to the store and they arrested the driver. I mean, was it illegal? I don't know. I just don't know how. You, well, it might have been. Yeah, in the 60s. So manager Jerry Maybe uh, won a legal reprieve and opened the store and another shop at 27th and Haldridge Streets that summer. But he faced numerous police raids and more charges ranging from distribution of obscene literature to a lack of permit for coin operated movie machines. <laughs> Jerry was just trying to help the people, you right? know, like I, mean... I personally personally have never understood like the fascination of like going to an adult store and like watching porn there. That's weird to me. Yeah, I mean, why, why would you watch it there? I don't know. Well, I guess in the 60s, though, you wouldn't have like the projector, like or, the like, DVD or like. That's true. You know, and yeah. it was harder to copy. Yeah. Items over like yeah. onto new. I don't know what they're called. The strips. Yeah. Film strip. It's, yeah. It's just that's, that's just an interesting concept to me. And that's it's weird. But nowadays, like, people still do that. They're still... Yeah, yeah, yeah. So up to this point, it was supposedly common wisdom that the mafia was actually the one that, like, ran these stores and that they would, like, hold, like, illegal gambling operations and, like, they would sell drugs and they would have prostitutes there. Like, that was, like, kind of the perception of these kind of stores. Mm -hmm. So... I think that's also where probably they were trying to combat this because it was like a common, like is a common wisdom, mm -hmm. quote unquote, like yeah. that the mafia was doing it. So two years after the store opened, Patricia actually got a job at the adult book and cinema. And shortly after she was hired, she actually disappeared one night. Oh, gosh, from the from the store. Yes. So she disappeared overnight on April 18th, 1974. And with her disappearance, there seemed to be some items missing from the store as well, which initially turned out to be what was thought to just be larceny. Mm -hmm. So they thought that she stole all of this stuff and then like ran away okay. or like, you know, just disappeared. Yeah. So she didn't get caught. The items that were missing were 51 bondage-themed adult magazines, a calculator, and $30. <laughs> I don't know. The calculator really threw me. Like, I'm going to steal this calculator. <laughs> I mean, maybe in the 70s it was a hot commodity. I don't know. I know, but it was probably one of those, like, mm -hmm. huge ones. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Did it have the role that it like printed stuff out on? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so uh, another thing that they discovered was a cord leading to an extension from a payphone had actually been cut. And when uh, the manager came back the next day, the shop door was left unlocked all night. Hmm. Two and a half days later, Oscar Fine, um, I believe that's how you say his name, F-I-E-N-E. I'm going to say fine. Yeah. Went to feed cattle on a vacant farm that he owned west of um, Halem. And he spotted a blue jacket sleeve and patch of thigh barely visible underneath a haystack. Okay. When he got closer, Patricia Carroll Webb's bullet riddled body 
was nude under the hay except for a quilted jacket. One of 143 extra-large jackets that was distributed by a feed mill. And these jackets were given to customers or they were sold to the employees. So limited supply. Right. When the police arrived, they discovered that Patricia also had a piece of tape over her mouth. Oh, no. So they found her body. That was bad enough. Mm-hmm. I don't like that they described it as a bullet riddled. Okay. Like that, that, how many gunshots exactly were there? Do you remember the story I had? I don't know when it was, but it was, they told, it said bullet riddled too. And I'm like, but it was just like a handgun with only six. Like rounds in it? Rounds in it. And so what does that mean? Like, did they. All six? Refill it? Like. Yeah, exactly. I don't know. That was just really weird. So. As they as they started investigating this murder mm-hmm. a little bit more, it was later revealed that Patricia had been an undercover drug informant for the Nebraska State Patrol. Oh. And she was supposed to testify in court the day that she disappeared. I mean, that's there's never any coincidences. I don't know what's happening, but it looks like Patricia could have been caught for being a snitch. I don't know. Yeah, and somebody didn't want her to testify. Yeah, and that's what's wild. Especially because... We'll get we'll get into that later, but it's it's weird that like if that was the reason why this happened to her, um, mm-hmm. and we'll go over that in a little bit. So police never found the twenty two and twenty five caliber guns that put at least six bullets in Webb's head and four in her body, so ten bullets total. Okay, would you say that's riddled? I mean, you say riddled, and I'm thinking like twenty plus. But in the 60s. But 10 is also like, that's that's, a, that's aggression. That's, yeah, it's aggressive for sure. But I that's mean, over, that's in over the 60s, I don't think they much. even had like anything besides a hand mm-hmm. revolver that has only six yeah. rounds in it. So they would have to reload it and go again. Well, so they did say investigators believe the 22s were fired from a rifle most likely a Mossberg and the 25s from a semi-automatic handgun like a Beretta Panther 418 or a Tulski Korovin. I mean, that's aggressive for two people to be like shooting. But if it's the mafia or a Beretta, like sounds like a mafia gun. Yeah. 100%. Oh, Oh yeah. So from this point, they developed three main scenarios with this murder. So they, hypothesized that Webb was either the victim of a robbery or burglary. Mm-hmm. The killer was a sexual psychopath, which you always have to think that. When, yeah. Especially isn't like there was like bondage missing magazines missing with a calculator, you know, $13. <laughs> the last theory is that the murder was an execution possibly related to her work as an informant. So those are our three main scenarios of what happened to Patricia. Mm-hmm. Police investigated possible connections to serial killers and rapists across the country, but the evidence didn't really seem to fit any of their motives or just any of like the details of any other cases. And also her body wasn't abused or mutilated and there was no sign of sexual assault. Really narrows our options down. Yeah. So according to the police investigator, he said to me, it has always had the makings of an execution. Mm -hmm. And I, it seems like that to me as well. Like if her, if she was out in the middle of a field naked, I don't, I don't know why she had to be naked. I mean, maybe to throw off like the investigators or the police. I'm thinking why this mm-hmm. was the case. Yeah, that's true. He, the police suspect that there were actually two killers that night. 
and that they had moved the body because little blood was found nearby where the body was found. Yeah, but you would have to assume it was two because there was two different guns. True. I mean, you wouldn't have to assume, but like, that's an easy jump. True. And there's two different guns. There's two different bullets. Like you would. Yeah. Your mind would automatically go to this is more than one person. Mm -hmm. It would be weird for like one person to be like, I'm done with this one. Now I'm going to use this one. Next. Right. So police actually never found her clothes, but her purse turned up in a ditch about a mile and a half away from where her body was found. Uh, Witnesses came forward to say that they saw a young woman leave the store with a black man at about 1 a.m. on April 18th and got into a large older car that looked like a boxy Cadillac or Buick. And there may have been another person inside. Okay. Throughout their investigation, the police actually turned up two very strong suspects. A man who matched the description that the witnesses gave and his partner, a white man, but they couldn't definitively connect them to anything in this case. Mm-hmm. They claimed to be around Lincoln um, really frequently, but they were transient. So they weren't, they didn't have like a permanent address in Lincoln or anything. They just kind of move from town to town, probably staying at like hotels, motels, whatever. Yeah. The police said that they were the type of guys you'd hire if you needed cement poured, a hole dug, or help collecting debt. Okay. One of the men since since this investigation started has died and the other has just disappeared completely. Mm. So possible suspects. Right. But we'll never know. Former Lancaster County Attorney Robert Gibson stated that half a dozen drug cases had to be dismissed when Patricia Webb failed to show up to testify that day. The cases, however, were for very small amounts of amphetamines and marijuana. And he stated that it was, it seemed very unlikely that like these crimes were big enough for it to be the reason for her death. Right. Like it wasn't like she like took down an entire drug operation or like, you know, like she, Got somebody arrested for, like, buying marijuana. Yeah, but still people... Overreact? Yes. When they fuck up? Like, you did this. Yeah. Larry Ball of Lincoln was an investigator for the State Patrol when Webb was what they called a special employee for them. Mm. (laughs) He said uh, back in 1990 that she and one other undercover informant played key roles in late 1973 and early 1974, setting up... 60 or 70 undercover drug buys that led to the arrests and convictions of more than two dozen people. I mean, but that's a good amount of people that they're saying that like, oh, it wasn't such a big deal. Yeah, I think like I think what the other what the attorney was just saying was like the charges were just so minuscule that like it just would be weird if somebody was like reacted in that way. But I mean, to go off on a little tangent, what if all those people that were selling were part of a bigger operation and so they found out that she was doing that i mean it's also because they take down one person and it's like how many clients do they have yeah like one person but they have they sell to like 80 people yeah and back then i mean i feel like there wouldn't be so many different crime pyramids Mm -hmm. I guess is the word I want. I don't know. Yeah. But they wouldn't have so many different ones. So it'd be like all connected to one person. And what if. True. You're 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 screwing with my coin. True. That's very true, actually. So 
she stopped the undercover work very early on in 1974. Um, and however, she she wanted to do it again. Mm-hmm. But it came to light that she owed three to four thousand dollars to financial companies. And so the police kind of told her away, like turned her away and told her that she wouldn't be able to continue working for them until she's like settled her debts. Why? I don't know that it was weird to me that like they were like, mm, you have debt, leave. <laughs> like, <laughs> you have debt. You can't get a job. I'm uh, so sorry. Who doesn't have debt? Right. But also three to four thousand dollars in the 70s. I mean, that's that is true. That's a pretty substantial amount, actually. I mean, yeah, probably like in that hundred. Yeah, like, yeah. I mean, probably less than that. Yeah, I, mean, I was, I was like, well, I don't know about hundreds of thousands, but yeah, maybe like the equivalent of like between fifty and a hundred thousand. Yeah, somewhere like that. We're really good at this. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so that was just strange. No, you can't work for us. You have debt. Bye. Yeah, but also like that kind of harkens back to like those two suspects. Like they said. Something about, like, they were the kind of people that you would hire if you needed help collecting a debt. Like, maybe that was, like, a reason for her. Like, she got into trouble. She loaned money from the wrong person or, you know, like, something like that. But they also said financial institutions. So Yeah, that's what I've been saying. Like, I don't think of Like, a bail bondsman? (laughs) Like, did she bust somebody out of jail? Like, I don't know. But if you're part of, if it was part of a bank, they're not going to send somebody out to. Right break your knees maybe you never know (laughs) so from 2007 to 2009 investigators like really took a deep dive into the files of this case and they started reevaluating all of the old evidence and they were trying to look for dna and fingerprints and anything that they could run through the system that we have now Mm -hmm. unfortunately they didn't get anything off of any of the old evidence from time to time they still get occasional tips which i thought was really interesting because this happened so long ago and they're still getting tips on what could have happened but most of most of the stories or the tips that they receive turn out to be stories told and retold kind of like in bars late at night like after somebody's like had a few like a few Uh, too many drinks so it's like they probably just ramble right right and nothing really ever comes of them police have investigated tips involving outlaw motorcycle gangs serial rapists and even satanic cults (laughs) satanic cults i feel like wouldn't use like semi-automatic weapons to kill somebody (laughs) but like whatever what an interesting theory a lot of their tips name names as well Mm -hmm. and they've done thorough investigations into all of the people that have been named and nothing ever comes up nothing ever really seems to be that missing piece of the puzzle to help solve her case so and they said that most of the time you can prove a lot of these tips to be false right off the bat because they have little to no details whatsoever yeah and unfortunately what this means is that meanwhile all of the people that love Patricia Webb who are still alive, they're still left with very many uh, to no answers. <laughs> what was that, that was the dumbest thing I've ever said in my life. Very many to no answers. What the fuck? You laugh. Because <laughs> I heard what I said and I was like, who says that? <laughs> okay, let me record that last part again. <laughs> Unfortunately for Patricia Webb's loved ones, this has left them with nothing but questions and no answers whatsoever. So this case is still unsolved and probably will be as time continues to move forward and 
clearly very far away from the 1970s. Yeah, gosh. Um, but uh, the her family members that are still around and the loved ones are, I mean, they're still holding out hope. I mean, as you always do. Right. To get some answers. Just some justice, you know? Yeah. Thank you for listening to this episode of Unsolved America. Head on over to Facebook and Instagram and follow us at Unsolved America MVP. And be sure to subscribe to our show on your favorite podcast platform. If you need to contact us, please email unsolvedamericamvp at gmail.com and we'll talk to you next week. This has been an MVP podcast, My Village Productions.